And time for a live show with dollars and common sense right here on News Talk 790 WNIS. Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, coming to you live like we do every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what I'm talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to me. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. Don't forget that area code, 757-627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interests ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals. But that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area that we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it is a choice because it takes some time. It takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. You have to want it. We are here to help. you got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401Ks, 403Bs, TSPs, 457. IRA, Roth IRA, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance. We are here to discuss tonight, 627-7979. So tonight, we're going to talk about tax-efficient charitable giving. Um, a lot of people donate to charities in some form or another, whether that be your local church or synagogue or animal shelter um, or maybe even um, artistic venue, uh, playhouse, that type of thing. Uh, and a lot of times uh, donations are uh, bunched towards the end of the year. And now that we are out of the summer season, attention starts to turn towards end of year planning for this and other particular items. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about some uh, more tax-efficient ways to give to charities. Now, everyone knows that you can write a check uh, or put cash in the basket or nowadays Venmo or PayPal uh, directly to uh, a charity. Uh, and that's good. You know, any type of giving is good for the charity. But uh, where you can do good yourself at the same time uh, doesn't hurt, does it? And so here's some... We have tonight some more creative ideas on how to gift more tax efficiently to charity. So start out with number one, 
donate appreciated non-cash assets instead of cash. So what's a non-cash asset? Well, shares of stock or shares of a mutual fund or shares of an exchange-traded fund. So by donating appreciated publicly traded securities or real estate can count as well, uh, and other non-cash assets that are held more than one year means that as a donor, you can generally eliminate the capital gains tax that you would otherwise incur if you sold the assets and then donated the sale proceeds, right? So you donate the shares of the stock or the mutual fund directly to a charity. And nowadays, uh, this is one of the, actually one of the best and one of the easiest ways uh, to take full advantage of appreciated stock. So you don't sell the shares, create the cash, incur the capital gain, and donate the cash and get the deduction. What you do is you give the appreciated shares. And that cost basis, the lower cost basis on the shares, transfers to the charity. So you never have to sell, and you never have to realize a capital gain, and you never have to pay capital gains tax on it. The charity receives it. They're a protected 501c3 organization, tax exempt. They sell it for its current market value, never have to pay the capital gains tax. You get to deduct the total value of the amount that you donate, the total market value on the day of the donation of those shares. And, though, and so when you itemize, um, if you can itemize, uh, then you receive a charitable deduction for the fair market value of the assets. And I guess I should acknowledge here um, for a lot of listeners, um, current itemized, uh, current standard deduction for married filing joint is 27700 for this calendar year. For individuals or single uh, tax flyer, filers, $13,850. So, you're going to have to have itemized deductions above those thresholds before you can start deducting. But people who make large charitable contributions easily meet those thresholds. So just something to keep in mind here. So donating appreciated shares of a stock or a mutual fund or ETF without selling them directly to a charity. A lot of charities becoming more sophisticated. They have the form set up to do this. Uh, contact your favorite church or charity or synagogue and see if the, they will accept um, appreciated shares of, uh, of stock or publicly traded securities, I should say. Okay, another strategy, combine tax loss harvesting with a cash gift. So what is tax loss harvesting? Well, for those of you who do your own investment management, you probably know or have heard of tax loss harvesting. That is when you purposely uh, and intentionally sell an investment at a loss in order to realize a capital loss that then can be used to offset capital gains somewhere else. Um, and then you typically repurchase uh, after 30 days, the same investment or something similar to it so that you can gain in future appreciation as well. But tax loss harvesting, purposely taking um, or realizing a loss on, on securities in order to offset future gains. And uh, donors who itemize their deductions can then claim a charitable deduction for donating cash from the sale 
of the proceeds. So using those tax loss um, harvested to then go ahead, take the loss, write that off, and also uh, itemize and deduct the charitable contribution. Here's another one. Give private business interests. So for you executives, entrepreneurs, small business owners who may own interests in, say, a C-Corp, a limited partnership, a limited liability company, an LLC, um, you can donate shares of those entities as well. And it's especially true if the interests have been held more than one year, they've appreciated significantly over time, and retain more value than, say, other assets that you would be considering. So maybe your, your small, medium-sized private business has grown faster than, say, the, the general stock market at large. Uh, that's an excellent opportunity to potentially gift um, some appreciated shares. And same sort of concept applies because you don't have to sell them and realize the capital gain. You can donate them directly to charity. They sell them and then receive the proceeds um, tax-free. So this uh, it eliminates that long-term capital gains tax that you would otherwise incur, plus you can claim that charitable deduction for the fair market value of the assets. Uh, now, if it's not a publicly traded company, then uh, most likely you would probably need to have an appraisal done on the value of the business. Uh, this can be accomplished by a CPA, typically. Uh, larger CPA firms are set up to give a qualified appraisal uh, on the estimated value of your closely held C-Corp, limited partnership, LLC, that type of thing. So it might be a little bit more effort involved, but for people who um, have those closely held interests and want to make a big, impactful, charitable contribution, then giving... Uh, Portions of private business interest is an excellent way to do that. All right, we're going to pause right here, take a short break. We're going to be right back after these messages. If you want to jump on the phone lines, give me a call, talk about charitable giving or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, give me a call in the studio line, 627-7979. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. Dollars in Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, president of Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at Wealthway Advisors. Dot com. All right, tonight we're talking about tax-efficient charitable giving. Everyone knows how to stroke a check, go to a website, put in a credit card, donate directly to a charity, but there are more creative ways to donate than just that. 
And if there's ways that you can lower your tax bill, maximize your deductions and lower your tax bill, then by all means, you should take it. Do good for yourself while doing good for others. All right. Another thing, uh, this doesn't apply to too many people, but I find it interesting. Um, contribute restricted stock. Now, there aren't too many people who own restricted restricted stock, uh, probably especially in Hampton Roads. Um, but restricted stock is something that you receive when a, a large company goes public and they have an initial public offering that you see the bell getting rung, rung on Wall Street, you know, and in the morning, there's usually some company there that's just gone public, which means they've, they've um, converted their private shares to uh, public form and distribute or distributing them to the public through brokerage houses and on stock exchanges. Well, a lot of times when that occurs, the initial founders, initial investors, and, and current executives of the newly publicly traded company uh, often receives chunks, fairly large chunks, of very valuable uh, shares of stock in the company that, uh, that just has gone public. But I don't know if it's all the time, but it, certainly most of the time, I, I think it might be a, a, an SEC requirement. Uh, a lot of times when that happens, there's restrictions on the sale of that stock by those executives. So they can't, the day they ring that bell and that public and that company trades publicly, they can't turn around and sell the shares that they receive. Those special insiders have restrictions on their uh, ownership of, of the shares. And usually you have to wait like say six months or sometimes a year or longer before those executives and original investors can turn around and sell those shares. So. If you have uh, restricted stock, then at some point in time, the restriction gets lifted. And so when that restriction gets uh, removed, the stock can be donated to and then sold by a charity. And donation of restricted stock allows a donor to generally eliminate that long-term capital gains tax on the appreciation and claim a charitable deduction for the total value of the stock on the day that's donated if you itemize. So same concept as of some of the uh, other things I talked about in the first segment of the show, but uh, able to do it with restricted stock um, if you're one of the few lucky owners or holders of restricted stock of a large publicly traded company. Here's one that everyone can uh, take advantage of. Bunch multiple years of charitable contributions into one tax year. So say you give weekly to your church or um, annually to the uh, SPCA. Uh, instead of just doing it in one calendar year, add up all the contributions you do in a year, uh, multiply it by two or three, and do it all in one tax year. I assure you, the charity is very happy to receive one big lump sum that accounts for the next two, three, or four years of what you would have donated and spread out over that period of time. So by bunching them all together in uh, one year, then you can you are much more likely to get over that standard deduction threshold, be able to itemize, um, and then and and then take a deduction 
that you might not otherwise qualify for if you spread it out into small little pieces uh, over the course of several years. So bunching your contribution is something that's really simple and easy. Of course, you have to have the cash or um, the appreciated stock up front in order to be able to do that. But if you're somebody who knows you're committed to the cause and, um, and want to make a bigger impact in one particular year, uh, then this is a great way of doing that for the charity, as well as most likely uh, either getting you a tax deduction that you otherwise wouldn't qualify for, or getting you a larger tax deduction in that one calendar year. All right. Here's another uh, one for the people who do their own investment management. If you do your own investment management and you rebalance your investment portfolio, which you should, uh, about annually, probably don't need to do it more frequently than that. We used to, in the industry, used to think that either monthly or quarterly rebalancing was preferred. Studies have since shown that too much rebalancing too frequently can be counterproductive and actually lower your long-run rate of return. But well, I digress here. Um, so usually about uh, annually is good for uh, rebalancing on your portfolio. And for those who don't know what that is, rebalancing your portfolio is once you build an investment portfolio, typically uh, if you've done it right, then you you invest in various asset classes or different categories of investments uh, in your portfolio. And over time, some of those asset classes do better than others. And, and they then drift away from that original target that you built in your portfolio. So it's appropriate um, to rebalance, sell some of those winners that have done better, and buy some of those underperforming asset classes that have uh, been laggards. And yes, that's right, selling uh, those that have done well and buying those that have done poorly, that forces you to sell high and buy low a little bit over time. And that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And that's exactly how you boost your long run rates of return. All right, rebalancing. But it can come at a cost, especially in taxable accounts, because whenever you sell those winners, you are realizing capital gains. And capital gains are taxed for most people at a rate of 15% of the profit. Um, for really high income earners, it can be up to 20%. Uh, and for low income people, um, it can be as low as zero. Uh, but for most people, there it's a pretty wide berth. Uh, most people are going to be in the 15% capital gains rate. So you can rebalance your portfolio, realize the capital gains on the uh, outperforming assets, go ahead and take the proceeds, buy the underperforming asset classes or investments, as you should, and then um, donate. Uh, um, cl so uh, uh, claiming the itemized deduction donates for donating the long term. You take those appreciated assets and go ahead and donate them in amount that offsets the capital gains tax on selling the appreciated assets. Now that takes a lot of, you gotta put uh, pen to paper on that one uh, or have some uh, spreadsheets or uh, some computer uh, uh, power behind you in order to kinda do the math on all this. But if you're up to the task, then it's a way of sort of offsetting 
the uh, taxable costs that come with rebalancing the portfolio as well as doing good if you're charitably inclined as well, okay? Uh, I don't have time to jump into my next one right here because Damien's giving me the, the high sign. Uh, we got the news coming up here in a second. He did say something before. He, you know, Talking about charities, how do you start a charity? This is a great question. 501c3, mm-hmm. right? And there's paperwork. You got an IRS. There's all, all kinds of uh, requirements. But when I talk about donating to charities, these need to be qualified 501 C3 IRS recognized charities can't just be um, uh, Damien's yeah, ho- the house of Damien, the, the, yeah, house, the house house Damien of of uh, animal, uh, you know exactly uh, the Hall House Farm. You can't right. just donate and expect to write it off on the taxes. Right, exactly. But, yeah, but we'll be right back right after the quick break, though. An open phone line six two seven seven nine seven nine. We'll be right back right after the news. It's News Talk seven ninety WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner, Kevin Zibna, president of Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog boxes there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you have some nuanced questions, want to speak to a live human being, give us a call at the office, 456-2200. Want to remind everybody, our next live show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, September 26th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday or the rebroadcast on the Saturday morning following the show, then get the show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you wherever you go, and listen at your convenience. And for those of you into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn. Search for Wealthway Financial Advisors, hit that like button, and usually about once every week we put a financial planning-oriented post up. All right, tonight we are talking about... uh, Efficient ways to give to charity. Tax-efficient ways to give to charity. Everyone knows you can donate cash. You can put a few bucks in the Salvation Army pot uh, around Christmas time. You can write a check. You can donate online with uh, your credit card. Um, And those are all good because at least you're donating charity and doing some good with your money. But if you can do good for yourself, then you should do that as well. So we're talking about some creative ways in which you can lower your tax bill while you're giving to charities. So another one I got here is really a timing issue. Offset the tax liability on converting a retirement account to a Roth IRA. 
So, for those of you who are contemplating Roth conversions, which is the idea of taking money from a traditional IRA uh, and then converting it into a Roth IRA, Roth IRAs um, having tax advantages such as tax-deferred growth and tax-free withdrawals from the account um, in retirement after age 59 and a half. Uh, also, you do not have to do required minimum distributions on Roth IRAs. So they have some uh, strong tax advantages, but if you haven't contributed to them in the past or you have small balances, you can convert your traditional IRA to a Roth. Now, know this, that is a taxable event. There is no free lunch. Getting the money from a traditional IRA into a Roth, whatever comes out of that traditional IRA, or 401k for that matter, or TSP, or your company-sponsored retirement plan, the money that comes out and gets converted to the Roth comes out as ordinary income. So we, uh, we do the math on these um, conversions for our clients, and I got to say, the conversion aspect tends to be very niche uh, there's usually only certain specific set of circumstances where it makes good, viable financial sense to go ahead and pay the tax on the withdrawal from the traditional IRA and then take the proceeds and put it into a Roth. Uh, but where it does make sense, and if you are going to make that type of transaction and you are charitably inclined, then a good strategy would, to be, would be to make a donation to charity of a significant nature in the amount large enough to offset the income that is going to be claimed by cashing out that traditional IRA and converting it to the Roth because that is going to be a big taxable event to get it from that left traditional pocket to the right Roth pocket. Once in the Roth, safe and sound, not going to be taxed on the growth, not going to be taxed on the withdrawals, don't have to take the RMD. But the transfer of the money between those is a taxable event. So if you can offset it with a large charitable donation um, in the same year that you do that conversion, then you can save yourself some big tax dollars by doing that. Another one, offset the tax liability on a retirement account withdrawal. So that's kind of similar. Uh, you have to take required minimum distributions. for so, Well, some people have to, beginning at age 72, that year's creeping up every year now. So, so it's going to be 73, then eventually going to be 75. But people uh, at least 72 are taking their required minimum distributions. Those are a taxable event, event when distributed. Same idea applies. You can make a large charitable donation if you itemize and offset the amount of the ordinary income that comes out of the IRA due to the required minimum distribution. Save yourself some tax money that way. Here's a, here's a good one that's pretty easy to do uh, and doesn't really cost much of anything. Leave a legacy by naming a charity as a beneficiary of your IRA. So a lot of people know they can name uh, individuals as beneficiaries on your company retirement plan, on your IRAs, 
um, sometimes on your bank accounts if you set it up properly. Um, and you, people n usually name their spouse as the primary beneficiary and their kids as contingent beneficiaries. But you can also name charities as beneficiaries on those types of accounts as well. And at your passing, the money will go tax-free directly to the charity of your choosing. And I would also add relatively quickly and relatively simply uh, as well. Um, so every penny of the donation can be directed to support the, charita the charitable goals um, beyond an individual's lifetime if you name a charity as a beneficiary. And like I said, it doesn't cost anything to, you know, just put a charity's name, put the United Way, Hampton Roads, or Ham Hampton Roads Community Foundation as a beneficiary of your charity. And it could be a partial, doesn't have to be 100%. Uh, quite frequently, people have multiple beneficiaries on their IRAs. So say you have three kids, Maybe you do 25% to each kids and 25% to a charity as well to, that's near and dear to your heart. Um, and it's a great way of donating uh, fairly large amounts of proceeds to a charitable uh, um, charities. Um, and sometimes if you let them know in advance that you have done this, which they deeply appreciate, um, there can be some donor uh, rights or some naming rights maybe to buildings or, or activities that the charity does if that's important to you. Um, you can attach your name to a large gift as well by naming a charity as a beneficiary on your IRA. Another one, another tax-efficient uh, charitable gifting strategy is to establish a charitable trust. Now this gets more complicated and usually requires the help of an attorney. Um, and there are multiple forms of charitable trusts. I'll just stick to one or two of the more common kinds. A charitable remainder trust uh, is a form of uh, a giving vehicle, an irrevocable giving vehicle that's usually funded with a gift of cash uh, or non-cash assets like shares of appreciated shares of a mutual fund or ETF that we talked about earlier. And then but you assign beneficiaries to the trust. They receive income payments from the trust for a term of years. It's usually like uh, at least 10 years, sometimes 20, or a person's lifetime. They receive income from the trust, and then a public charity, public qualified charity, can receive the remaining assets at the end of the term. So the donor claims a charitable deduction, deduction if they itemize in the year the trust is funded, obviously during your lifetime, and then the deduction amount is typically based on the present value of the assets that will eventually go to the name charity. And if the charity is large enough and enduring and has an element of permanence to it, they are more than content to wait 10, 20, 30 years if the payout is going to be large enough. So uh, a charitable remainder trust, a way of getting a current tax deduction today, receiving income from that trust in order to support and enhance your lifestyle while you're alive, and then transferring uh, the proceeds at your death, typically in a 
substantial amount that has grown over time through good investments um, to, uh, to the charity in one big lump sum, and everybody's happy. So a charitable remainder trust is uh, a, a fairly common vehicle, more complicated, will, re- will almost certainly require the help of an attorney and, and uh, uh, a few thousand dollars of, of setup fees, and then a little bit of ongoing administration and, and maintenance as well on a yearly basis. And uh, it's sister type of trust, uh, a charitable lead trust. So charitable remainder trust, the charity gets what's left over, what remains in the trust after a person's death, or charitable lead trust, that's the opposite. Money goes into the trust, the charity receives income over a set period of time, 10, 20, 30 years, or up until somebody's death, and then beneficiaries of the trust, then typically one's kids or perhaps grandkids, can receive an inheritance of the remainder of the trust or what's left over after that period of time. So charitable lead trust, kind of a sister component uh, in the charity trust department. All right, I got two more biggies that I want to talk about before the show is over. But right now, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after these messages. If you want to jump in on the conversation, give me a call on the studio line, 627-7979. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. and common sense your local source for objective unbiased financial advice i'm your host certified financial planner kevin zivna president of wealthway financial advisors the premier financial planning firm in hampton roads where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life for more information about us, you can look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you. Oh, uh, Select the appropriate, uh, yeah, select the appropriate <laughs> information in the drop down, whether you want the info packet or the newsletter, and then we will uh, get that out to you later on this week. That's all we use name and address for. Won't use it for anything else. Won't contact you uh, unless you want us to send you that information. That's all we will use the name and address for. If you want to give us a call at the office, ask us some questions about your own personal situation, give us a call 456 2200. Um, Our next live show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, September 26th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you where you go, and listen on the run. And if you're into social media, we've got a Facebook page and we're on LinkedIn. 
dollars and I'm sorry, uh, Wealthway Financial Advisors. Uh, search for that on Facebook and LinkedIn. All right, tonight we're talking about tax-efficient charitable giving. I probably had about uh, eight or nine different uh, recommendations, more creative strategies for how to give to charities beyond just uh, writing a check or putting cash in the bucket or um, putting a credit card into the uh, into a company into a charity's website. Um, some more creative ways to donate and especially if you want to make larger, more impactful gifts, than um, just a hundred bucks here, hundred hundred bucks there, then uh, a lot of these strategies would apply for um, you high income earners and people uh, willing to make impactful donations to charities. Well, can I jump in here on that note because it's pretty timely. Uh, what's going on in Maui in Hawaii? I guess after the wildfires, and now there's all this controversy with certain. Uh, near billionaires uh, such as Oprah and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson giving charitable like five million dollars but there's all these calls for them now promoting other people that need to donate uh, how would somebody wean through that if they wanted to give to that and you know uh, send their money to to Hawaii versus Ukraine or something yeah. and they and they wanted to make sure that they were giving it to a well vetted charity yeah. is there ways to do that that that's not going to come back on your taxes against you yeah so like we talked about earlier these need to be uh properly uh, qualified, registered, typically 501c3, that refers to a tax code uh, that qualifies them, 501c3 uh, charities. Um, you can look this information up, and I believe you're going to force me off the top of my head. I think it's called GuideStar. Okay. GuideStar.com hmm. um, um, is a place where these uh, these filings are publicly available. And you can get a wealth of information uh, through this um, uh, amalgamator of information to ensure that, number one, it, it is a 501c3, it is properly registered with the IRS, and approximately how much of the money actually goes to the cause ah. that you want to support. And that's a big one. Anyone can sort of open up a charity, but how much of the money actually gets to the cause, that's always a point of contention, especially with big donors. They want, you know, the big bucks to go to the cause. They don't want it to be eaten up by administrative fees, large staffs, extravagant benefits, yeah. and so Traveling forth. expenses. Right. Traveling I mean, obviously expenses. the people who work for charities deserve to be compensated, deserve to be compensated fairly, but... Uh, Maybe not a uh, new wardrobe, right. though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I got, I got two more I want to get to before we wrap up the show. Uh, these are two that we use very frequently in our practice. Uh, one is a donor-advised fund uh, as a... Uh, that you can use as a component of any of the previous strategies that I talked about before. So a donor-advised fund is actually a public charity that you set up. And it usually gets set up with a, a qualified custodian. So that's usually a bank or a brokerage company like a Schwab or a Fidelity uh, or a Vanguard or something like that. Uh, and you can, and then once you, you set up this account with uh, the qualified custodian, and you contribute cash or the appreciated non-cash assets, like we talked about before, shares of a stock, mutual fund, ETF, um, and 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 if you if you itemize, then the contributed assets can be invested for potential tax-free growth inside the donor. Uh, advise fund. And then once they're in the fund, the donors can recommend grants out of the fund 
to other public charities of their choice at any time. And donor advised fund accounts can also be a charitable beneficiary of IRA assets. So you can name your own donor advised fund, which you control. Uh, you you were you can appoint other people to help you sort of administer the donor advised fund, um, uh, such as your kids say to help get them in the spirit of charitable giving, uh, and then. Through that donor advised fund, you get you get the tax deduction when you contribute into the donor advised fund. Once the money is in there, then uh, you can invest it for future growth, so that um, it can endure in perpetuity if you uh, manage it pro- appropriately. So you get the donation, uh, you get the tax deduction for in the year in which you make don- donations to your donor advised fund. Now, when you make donations to other public charities through the fund, you don't get a deduction then because you already got it for the contribution. But this is a way of lumping uh, big donations into one calendar year. Or if you do not have a particular charity that is near and dear to your heart, but you know in some form or fashion you are charitably inclined at some day, at some point, uh, in some fashion you do want to give, then a donor advised fund is a great catch-all to start the charitable charitable process and get a large tax deduction for your contributions uh, to it. And um, once set up, it depends on the custodian, but typically they're fairly easy to administer. A lot of it's done on websites nowadays. Uh, it's almost like uh, doing a bill pay or, or typing out a check online or something like that, and the, and the custodian will send the money directly to the charity. Uh, And then the last one I want to talk about is that you can satisfy your IRA required minimum distribution through a non-taxable qualified charitable distribution. A lot of big words in that one. What does that mean? It's actually really simple once it gets set up and operational. Um, For those of you who have to take a required minimum distribution, so beginning age 70 and a half for people nowadays, um, anything that comes out as a as a distribution, whether it's required or not, from your IRA comes out as ordinary income, which is taxed at the highest income tax rates. But if uh, instead of receiving your required minimum distribution, you can make a qualified charitable distribution directly to a charity from your IRA to satisfy the amount that would have had to come out from a required minimum distribution. Uh, Usually you need a special checkbook in order to do that, but you write a check, write out your IRA like you would a bank account, you give it to the charity. That amount then never shows up as ordinary income on your income tax filing. So it's not a deduction. It's actually better if you do the math. It's never recognized as income and and therefore lowers your overall tax bill instead of you taking the money out of the account, claiming it as income, and then getting a deduction for the charity. So uh, qualified charitable distributions, one of the, the, the great ways to make tax-efficient charitable giving. That's all the time I got for tonight. Be back in two weeks, September uh, 26 at 6 p.m. as usual. You've been listening. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. 
program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content.